Radio Sports Summer of Cricket. The GJ Gardner Homes International Series. Black Caps versus the West Indies. Test 2, Day 4. Live from Seddon Park, Hamilton on Radio Sport. Well, the summer of cricket is more summer than cricket at the moment because the Test match has come to an end. New Zealand have won the game quite comfortably again. They've taken the series 2-0 over the West Indies and they've won both Test matches with a day to spare. And a victory for New Zealand, a comprehensive victory, Irv McSweeney. Uh, They really couldn't have done much else, could they? Well, they lost the toss, they were put into bat and they batted well. West Indies were hampered by a poor performance or a, an opening attack that was out of sorts. So it allowed New Zealand to get off to a good start. And Ravale once again showed his value at the top of the order with a, a well-struck and um, well-put-together 80, 84, I think it was. Uh, set the platform for a good enough first innings score, uh, aided, of course, by a rollicking last-wicket partnership that took it from a reasonable first innings score to a, probably a bridge too far for the West Indies as we know their current batting lineup. So well-performed uh, effort with uh, in, in that stage of the game and then their bowling has just been throughout the course of the match, Brian, probably a bit too classy for the West Indies batting lineup. Yes, and it's been the New Zealand seam bowlers that ended up there by uh, Trent Bolt with his uh, wicket that take him, took him past the 200. But for me, the personal highlight of the test uh, was Ross Taylor's 100. We've been waiting for it, it was going to come, it wasn't a matter of uh, if but when and uh, he got it and he got it in style and there was real class about everything that he did. Yes that's right, I mean it was a it was an innings that uh, typified Ross Taylor and his contribution to the New Zealand team we've seen more expansive innings from Ross Taylor but in terms of what the team needed uh, it was perfectly designed and perfectly carried out and I think in that in that context it would have given him a lot of pleasure and certainly from the New Zealand team's context it set up the situation for New Zealand to press on in the game with a, an advantage that was always going to be too much for the West Indies so fantastic effort from a personal perspective obviously a uh, an important milestone for him, but I think Ross Taylor's the sort of guy who says uh, my contribution to the team in this game is the key thing, and that's what he delivered. He figured it out, knew what he had to do and delivered it. Yes, that was experience, that was professionalism, that was class, and that was the man of the match, uh, Ross Taylor. But they started day four, the West Indies, 30 for two. If they'd been able to bat well at the start of the day, they could have push, pushed it into the fifth day, but they were unable to. Here are the highlights from the final day. Bolt's going to go around the wicket, Sean. It's cut into the gully and taken. Good, smart catch. That was moving. And New Zealand have the early breakthrough. Brathwaite goes. Couldn't keep that cut stroke down. He departs for 20. It's 43 for 3. It's also a milestone wicket for Trent Bolt. He now has 200 test wickets. Two slips, gully, backward point. Wait, in comes out Wagner pulling through the onside. It's high in the air. De Grandhome is under it. De Grandhome takes the catch. Oh, after being hit on the forearm, and Hope has gone for the short one, hooking down to a long leg, DeGrandhome coming around and taking the catch. Hope is out, caught by DeGrandhome from the bowling of Wagner for 23, the West Indies 68 for 4. Here's Wagner again up from the city in bowling to Dowrich, and this delivery is a short one, he played into the onside, he's caught, short, bad pad has taken the catch. Nichols is the man in close and has been hit 
directly to that player and Wagner has another wicket. Bolt again, left arm over to the left-handed. Oh, caught and bold opportunity. Foolish delivery, driving down the offside of the wicket. Bolt diving away, full length to his right. Two hands to it. It wouldn't stick. Comes Bolt very wide on the crease, driving and getting a thick outside edge. Down to wide third man for four runs. Off the bat of Chase, goes to 50. Roston Chase playing forward, getting a thick outside edge. And it's his fifth test 50. So Wagner bowling to Roston Chase and he's coming in from the city end. Bowling to Chase. Chase gets a short ball. He pulls it high in the air. Down towards the Grunheim who gets underneath it. Takes the catch. And he's done it again, Neil Wagner. He's drawn the false stroke. Chase has hit it straight to the Grunheim. He's got a safe pair of hands down there in the deep. And the important wicket of Chase is taken by the Neil Wagner bouncer. Southie goes around the wicket to the left-handed reefer. First ball of the over. is driven into the gully and taken! What a catch! Streamer down and to his left was Kane Williamson. Here's the centre bowling to Cummins. Cummins looks high in the air. This one's gone very high. Bolt again is looking into the sun and finally takes the catch. So Santner has the wicket. Santner bowls to uh, <laughs> That's the end of the game. Bold. That's the end of the game this time because the man who would have come in is not going to uh, come into bat. And so Roach has been bowled by Santner for 32. And we don't have to worry about the rules because the game is over. All a bit of a shambles at the end, really. We weren't expecting Gabriel to come out and bat, but he did. But he didn't uh, face a delivery, so it wasn't much of a problem. And Ambrose, we knew, wasn't going to return. And so the game became a bit of an anticlimax to some degree towards the end of the day. But uh, the West Indies comprehensively beaten. Jeremy Coney, how can you assess New Zealand's performance? It has to be a success, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does, Brian. You can't do too much better than play a side twice and beat them within three days and... uh, and into and the half, fourth yeah. day, yeah, so you've got to be very pleased, I think, with the start and the performances themselves. If you bury, you know, and dig a little deeper, uh, there may be some things that still have been unresolved. Um, I mean, in the batting, for example, for New Zealand, I think obviously the openers have done okay. Latham, there'll be some players, I think, in that batting lineup who will be disappointed that they didn't perhaps do a little better because of the quality of the of the attack that they were facing and some of the teams that they have to face a little bit later in the year and beyond, that there are also sides in the in the international spectrum that you'd say, hey to yourself, giving yourself a good talking to, and say, I've got to nail it here. This is a very important... Now, someone who does that well is is Ross Taylor. When he gets into those situations, he nails it, and he gets hundreds. Some of the others, like Latham, for example, who are not quite doing that to that extent. Williamson will say the same to himself. Taylor, I've already mentioned... Five Nichols will be another one who said, who says to himself, I'm not happy with this. That's not the sort of number of runs I needed to score against this lot. And then number six is still very much open and un- uncertain at this point. So there are a number of positions, I think, Brian, who can, let's say, can do better on the report card. Yes, question marks and sort of work in progress would be that scenario. And, and Jeremy pointed out the experience. Taylor... And Williamson, the others lack the experience to do the job that they probably would have wanted to do against an attack like this. 
Yeah, well, I think it sums up the how they're developing, to be honest. And, uh, you know, you see guys like Latham, and, and I talked off air to, to Jeremy about this. You know, where do you think he's at when, when you see a situation like this where perhaps he could have summed it up and thought, well, this bowling attack isn't um, going to be as consistent as some of the better attacks in the world. If I want to be a top-class international opening batsman for, in test cricket, I need to be able to succeed uh, against a side like this. There was nothing in the environment or the wicket that should have frightened him, and it was really a matter of him controlling his own game and, and gradually building up his total. And, and I think the lesson that Taylor in particular set um, would have been a great learning experience for some of the others in his own batting order because it's just a, it's just something they need to know how to do to work out when the conditions are in their favour because they won't always be uh, and when the attack is perhaps a little weaker, how to take advantage of it. Yes, Latham has a front pad weakness, doesn't he? Bowlers bowling around the wicket or left arm is over. He's been LBW quite a few times. Well, when you say that, it's the front foot coming across in front of the stumps mm. and playing, therefore, instead of staying very straight the pad gets in the way and you have to try and get your bat out and around the pad and if, if it's a medium to medium fast bowler sometimes that can beat your bat and getting out there against the spinner you might be able to do it but as soon as it speeds up it's into the pad so it's the placement of the front foot that becomes an issue. I also notice that he's slicing across the ball in his drive just a little bit so drives are going instead of to cover and, and extra cover they're going to point and bringing gully into play those sorts of things now you you've got to nail it when you get in a situation where you say against this particular side I'm going to get myself out here well only one person can prevent that and that's me and so you just nail it in these that's what I think Irv was kind of saying he's in an interesting situation we're talking about Latham Brian yes. he has built up his one day game quite nicely He's now keeping and batting five, and batting five well, and expanding his game. Now, that seems to me to have created weaknesses and opportunities for other teams in the, in the longer format of the game, and that's what I thought I saw. Yes, I'm sure that's a the fair comment too. Uh, successes and failures, we can't say that there were failures uh, player-wise, but uh, I suppose the... Um effort of trying to find a number six, the experiment of a number six was a failure. Can't necessarily blame Santner for that but he is not a settled confirmed number six and Nichols still has steps to take at number five to you know, mark those down as their places. Oh well I think that's right Brian and, and they've been given the opportunity to do so and I think that's a, that's a plus in terms of uh, the selection approach. I sometimes think in the number six role, uh, that perhaps, well, I question what the selectors are really looking for, um, because I've always thought it was a role where the batting side of the equation or the scales um, was more important or weighed more heavily than the bowling side. Um, you need to be able to perform as a an out-and-out, pure, international quality batsman if you're going to fill the number six role. And I'm not sure, from what we've seen from Mitchell Santner, whether he's given us enough indication that he could develop into that. That's the question I have about it. Um, are there others in the side who 
who may not may also not be there, but do have the potential to give that. Um, that's the selection question I would ask. Yeah, they're saying there's plenty of potential there in Santner, aren't they, the selectors? But they're really also saying we haven't got anybody else who can fit the role. Well, they're choosing Santner ahead of, say, Bruce? the other two players that are obvious in this, even yeah. in this group that are playing, Blundell. Yes, and he's a, he's such a uh, you know he's only just debut and played his first and second test matches. But I thought, just watching, he would be a better sixth than centre in my opinion. I'm not a selector, so that I can hold a different view. But I would quite robustly argue, if I was a selector, that Blundell looks to me to have a a better organised defence, and he plays his strokes in the right places. Whereas I don't see Santner doing that quite to the same extent. I think Santner has other qualities. I'm not decrying. I don't know Mitchell Santner. I've got nothing against the man. But for me, as a number six, pure number six, and I, that's where I played, basically, I think you need a batsman who can get 100. Now, I'm not convinced. Well, Santner hasn't yet, and he's had about 18 goes at batting at number six. So... You know, I, I think that's enough of a little bit of a, you know, a survey, you know, to, to and a sample mm. to say, hmm, are we right? There should be question marks. And de Grandhome, or de Grandhome, I'm sorry, Colin, um, de Grandhome, to me, if he could, he shows us the attacking ability, certainly, I think we're all happy with that. If he tightens his defence, then I can live with his bowling. I can't live with his bowling, to be really honest with you, at number eight. Because he needs, at number eight, you need to be a damn good bowler. Number eight, he's not as a bowler, but he could be a, that's a six. Now, I can live with that. I don't know whether you feel about that, how you feel about that. Because we come up with a different perspectives, and we don't see a lot of it over here. But that can be actually quite objective. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen of De Home, he has a lot of potential with the bat to be able to play both a, a more aggressive role if the situation requires it, to finish off a job that the, the, those above have done. Um, and, and I agree with you, Jeremy, if he was tight enough to rebuild an innings and then be able to bat for a long time, uh, in other words, if his innings weren't confined, um, and hopefully this is becoming the case, to attractive cameos, uh, he looks like a player who could be a number six, and then, as you say, his bowling absolutely fits the bill. Yeah, well, you see, you see, what we're saying there, Brian, is quite simple. De Grand Home has the attacking capabilities of a number. Number six is a pivotal position. You've got to build on what's gone on before. Sometimes that will be if things have gone well. Attack. If it's not gone well, you need to defend. And you're, you're, as the last line of resistance in the true batsman in the team, you've got to adapt to do that and then work with your tail, obviously. So we think De, De Grandhome's got at least one of those. For Santner, would you say he's got either? Well, he hasn't shown it yet. He, 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 what I've observed is that he tends to get a little bit mired in terms of, his, uh, in terms of the momentum of the game. Every time I've seen him bat... The inning seems to slow down. He takes a long time to get established. There's no doubt that in the shorter form of the game, he can be a clean hitter. Of oh, the he's ball. a very good. He's a very good idea. I play. We're not questioning that. That's right. But in the in, in this form of the game, where he's required to defend for long periods, he doesn't seem to be able to to generate momentum, and he hasn't yet been, in my view, been able to bat for long periods in order to repair innings. In fact, I've I haven't seen him really 
required to repair an innings. Uh, technically, he tends to play a little bit across the line. He's vulnerable, possibly, to a new, a second new ball. Um, and those sort of things are the things I'm looking for for the number six batsman. So therefore, I come back to my... It's, it's a question for, select, for the selectors. What are you looking for? Uh, and as Jeremy said, uh, I suspect the next two in the batting order are showing more of that uh, that, that I would look for anyway. I suppose the name BJ Watling also has to come into the Absolutely. reckoning as well in the future. Finally, we can just uh, have a look at the bowlers. The seam bowlers did their job. That was the three in this game and Matt Henry uh, at Wellington. Uh, the seam bowling resources, if they remain fit, that will be the series against England when it comes to the next Test match three months away. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Look, New Zealand have a nice seasoned bowling attack from the, in the seam bowling department. They've got two well-established... I mean, they've got three players who effectively uh, are, are on 200 wickets or thereabouts. Wagner a little bit less. But Wagner is coming to his own with the style of bowling he's bringing. And honestly, to be able to intimidate a team out on a wicket that we would have said any day of the week is, a, is pretty much a dead wicket where it's going to be very hard to take wickets on the fourth day of a test match to be able to run in and basically intimidate a team, a batting lineup um, is a special quality. He's developed this, he's changed from what he used to be a number of years back and he is now our highest ranked seam bowler in test cricket. Then we've got Southey and Bolt who are also well established, both taken uh, 200 wickets and they do their job very well, especially in New Zealand conditions. And I like having Lockie Ferguson in the background. Mm-hmm. A little extra bit of extra pace. pace. Yep. And, and keeping those three on their toes. I think that's a really useful... And Henry, let's be fair. Yes. Slightly, Henry's more like the, the three we've talked about, but Lockie Ferguson has another quality about him. And so that, to me, is a very useful little tap on the shoulder. Uh, just a reminder... You know, Lockie's uh, looking fit, isn't he? It's those kind of things that keep keep bowlers pushing themselves to, to their best performances. Well, I suggest that in time, there will be times when actually one of those bowlers makes way for pace. Of, yeah. When, when it's required, when the conditions require it, perhaps uh, not so much in New Zealand, but in other places where you need pace and bounce and something extra when the ball's not going to swing. It's good to have... That's the time when a guy like Ferguson will, by rights, hopefully take his place in the playing line yeah, At Milne, of course, but I mean, he's just shown that he's a little bit injury-prone, so he's another one with a bit of pace too. So things for the selectors to look at for the next Test Series. They've got a long time to think about it, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they turn up with against England, because they will be vastly different opposition than the West Indies. New Zealand have won the Test match here by 240 runs in uh, Hamilton. They've won the Series 2-0. Comprehensive victory in that Series. Their attention turns now to the one-day and T20 format against the touring side and the first game starts on the 20th of December in Whangarei. Radio Sport International Cricket with Razine Kalashoff for expert paint and colour advice.